0: Hello and welcome to Southside Church Podcast. For information about our church located in Cape Town, South Africa, go and check out our website, southsidechurch.co.za. We trust that the message would inspire you today. Today, um, we have some people being baptized. We're going to celebrate with them. And what they're doing in their baptism is they're declaring their private devotion to God publicly. They aren't telling you how perfect they are as Christians. They're saying, hey, I live here as a human on earth by the grace of God and his mercies in you every morning. And even though I live here in my human experience, heaven is my home. Uh, Through Jesus, heaven is my home. There's something significant about our home being connected to heaven and not just being here on earth. And in fact, in Luke chapter 15 in the New Testament of the Bible, Jesus tells a parable or a story about a young man returning home. And he explains that there were two sons who lived in their father's house, and the youngest son had asked his father for his inheritance before his father died. Jesus then describes how after receiving his inheritance, his son had squandered all the money he had been given on wild living. The youngest son was on a mission to use the money his father had given him to project an image of a great wealth in order to gain popularity with others and attain desirable possessions. He was striving to build himself an enviable reputation that would define him as successful in the eyes of the world. But these attempts at... Sustaining this egotistical, extravagant life was short lived because he spent all the money and ended up so desperately hungry that he was working, for, that he finally was working in a pigsty. And Jesus says that while in this humiliating condition and facing the fact that regardless of his attempts, he didn't have the performance, the possessions, or the popularity to prove his worth, he then decided to go back to the house of the father he had left and ask for a place in his father's house as a servant. He had failed to succeed with his money since leaving his father's house, and so Seeing his worth as no more than a servant, he would, in humiliation, return to his father's house, expecting to hear, told you so? But Jesus describes how when the father saw his son, he ran over to him, and without paying much attention to his son's admission of guilt... He instead began celebrating his son's safe return, placing a robe on his shoulders, a ring on his finger and sandals on his filthy feet from the pigsty saying, the son of mine was lost, but now he's found. It's like his father was the son of mine, was lost, but now he's found. Now the father's response to the return of this rebellious son was not, I told you so, but my son was lost. And now he's found. Now what we must understand is that in some way the son was lost long before he ever left the house to squander his inheritance. We must understand that the son didn't know who he was. And so by taking his inheritance, he sought to do certain things in order to define himself. And to define himself as what the world might call success. Doctor of Divinity and founding president of the Transforming Center, Ruth Halle-Barton wrote in her book, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, these words. She said, our calling from God is woven into the very fabric of our being as we have been created by Him, and it encompasses everything that makes us who we are, our genetics, innate orientations and capacities, our personality, hereditary and life-shaping experiences, and the time and place into which which we were born. She continues saying, Vocation or God's call does not come from a voice out there calling me to be something I am not. It comes from a voice in here calling me to be the person I was born to be, to fulfill the original selfhood given to me at birth by God. She says, But this is not as easy as it sounds. By the time we even know that there is such a thing as a true or authentic self, the false self has already taken over to the extent that it is hard to tell what is false and what is true. This young son had lost himself and his own sense of being. And so he sought to make some sort of false self with the inheritance money he could get from his father. He was lost and trying to create a false self that was valued for its success. He was lost before he ever left his father's house. And that's in fact the reason why he distanced himself from his father, even if he had believed that his father loved him. It's like, yo, Dad, I know you love me and this is like my house and I'm your son, but give me my money because internally that is not enough for me. I don't feel good about who I am purely by accepting that. I need the money so that I can do more, I can get more, I can have more. Many of us may know that God the Father loves us, We might even know that He calls us to be close to Him, but we unknowingly reject the fullness of His loving invitation because we don't truly know ourselves. And we may be using our energy to try and create someone who is worthy through human success, even under the banner of religious activity. I got to do more. I got to be more. God, sorry, I, I need to do stuff. I need to be stuff. I need to get stuff. And in some way, even though we know where our father's house is, even though we know we can settle and we're saved, we can still live with a lost soul. You see, when on his return, contrary to the son's sense that he was only worth the position of a servant, his father saw his beloved son. He saw a son who had been stripped away from everything else that he had sought to define himself with. A son who in losing himself had tried to perform at the level of the rich, who had striven for popularity with others by using his short-lived wealth and who had sought to prove his worth by obtaining possessions. The son was forced to see himself without these successes. And it had left him shameful, assessing his worth as a servant, but at the same time revealing to him that regardless of his sense of self-worth, his father still saw him as a son. It was both the pain of going, I hate this, I failed in life, I stuffed up, I never had all that stuff as evidence of my self-worth, I'm worthless, but at the same time in facing the shame of feeling he hadn't succeeded, he had to acknowledge that he was still accepted in his father's eyes as a son, his father still saw him as a son still saw him as the young man that he had raised before that little boy had ever felt the need to compete for position or prove his worth through performance. The son's pain in being stripped of everything he had that sought to define him had actually brought him closer to who he truly was as seen by his father. You see, in experiencing the shame that came with facing who he truly was, the prodigal son was actually allowing his father to love his whole person rather than a false version of who he wanted or thought he was supposed to be. When the father declared that his son, his lost son, had been found, it meant far more than the son just coming home to his father's house. It meant coming home to his true self as a son, dearly loved by his father for who he was and not for what he could do. When the father was going, my lost son has returned, he wasn't just saying, oh, he was lost out there somewhere. He was also speaking about a soul that for so long had been lost, that had been so lost that it had sought to define itself with the successes of popularity, position, and performance. We must also recognize that this young son's great transformative moment in the story was not when he left home ready to do life on his own. We must acknowledge that as Jesus shared this moment, He expressed that the son's most significant transformative moments were not when he had worked in the pigsty and realized what a mess he had made of his life. It it didn't happen in those moments, but it happened in the middle of his mistakes, in the midst of his guilt and shame, as he returned to his father's house. That was where the transformative work of this lost soul started The son's transformation started when he discovered he could belong as a son in his father's house, even though he thought servanthood was a more appropriate fit. That's where it happened. The opposite of belonging is fitting in. Fitting in is about looking at a group of people and thinking to yourself, who do I need to be? How do I need to act? What do I need to say and what do I need to wear to fit in? Fitting in is about changing who we are, but belonging demands we be who we are. If we need to change ourselves to fit in, that's not belonging. This was the issue that the Pharisees had with Jesus. He allowed sinners to belong in his company without demanding they first changed to fit in. To the Pharisees, Jesus himself didn't fit into the narrative of the God of the Old Testament as they understood him, and that would ultimately lead them to crucifying him. He was crucified because in the sight of the super religious, he didn't fit in. And they misunderstood the difference between fitting in and belonging. The difference between behavior modification in order to fit in and transformation that started with being able to belong. You see, we discover our correct fit once we first belong. We don't belong to a gym once we've become fit, (laughs) Our fitness happens by first belonging to a gym. The work of transformation in the life of this lost young man started when he first accepted that he could belong in his father's house as a son, even though he felt he was only worth fitting in as a slave. His freedom came once he belonged, not before Never again would he leave his father in search of building a false sense of self. Never again would he seek popularity amongst others or perfect performance or impressive possessions to define his sense of self-worth. He belonged. He was truly loved and fully free. And this is why Scripture says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. The transforming work of God doesn't happen once you first fit in, but once you first belong. And in the church, we failed this, and so we decide which church we go to based on whether we feel the leaders ensure everyone fits in first. We should be offending the super spiritual, by our acceptance of everyone. Because in the kingdom, you can belong long before you ever fit in. Because the transformative work begins when you first belong. And it's in the transformation of belonging that you find your fit It was in that same moment for the son in which he recognized his belonging, his full acceptance, truly loved, that he was fully free. And God's invitation to return home is also available to you and me. And so often in our walk with God, we need to return home. And returning home doesn't happen once Oh, you know, I, I didn't know Jesus, and then I returned home. It happened in that moment, but throughout your life, even as someone that belongs in your father's house, you will drift. Your human default is to define yourself through what you can do instead of accepting who you are because of what Christ has done. And so I don't know where you are in your wondering. But I know that part of our walk with God is the constant invitation to come home. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 4 Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. And so I ask the question where are you making your home? Where are you making your home? The prodigal son was so lost within himself that he left his home to try and make one. It wasn't enough. I need more. Surely, surely I can't just belong here and be worthy in this. Let me take the money I can and make something of myself. So he went to try and build and project an ego that defined him as successful on the side of the world when in fact he was doing it out of the reality of being a lost soul. And all he had to do was go back home. And it's interesting because the author of the New Testament scripture of 1 Peter chapter two, verse 11 says, friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourself cozy in it. Listen to these words. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. So I ask myself and you, where are we making our home? Where are we making our home? We've been in a series called Walking the Way in which we've become aware that the invitation from Jesus isn't just come and get your free tickets to heaven. We've acknowledged that his invitation is, follow me as my disciple on the pathway of life I've mapped out for you so you will find the way to joy and rest for your soul. With that invitation in mind, Christian theologian, professor, and author Henry Noan wrote these words. When Jesus says, follow me, something very different is happening. We enter into a different way of following because it is a call away from me and toward God. It is a call to let God enter into the center of our being. It is a willingness to let go of me, of I, and to gradually say, you, Lord, are the one. We are invited to leave the familiar place and find God. We are invited to find God and trust that in God we'll discover who we truly are. And if you think this is some psychology and oh are you into this false self and true stuff it's back to the word then let me remind you that the return home is something that has been seen throughout scripture. Abraham in the old testament discovered who he truly was when God defined him as Abraham. Saul in the New Testament is invited to return home and stop making his home in the ways of the world and in doing so, discovered his true self defined as Paul, not Saul. And Simon, disciple of Jesus, discovered he was truly Peter. Jesus invites us to constantly come home and rediscover our new name. Because the name he gives us is not based on our shame. And the name he gives us never defines us as the servant we so often feel we truly are. It always defines us as a son and a daughter. And so that story that Jesus tells is well-known in Christian circles is the story of the prodigal son. And when he teaches on this, there are two lessons we can take. The first thing we can learn is that we can allow ourselves to acknowledge who we truly are because God can't love a false version of who we're trying to be. Some of us try to be Christians. You can't be Christian, you can only be you. With Christ in you. So stop trying to be Christian and come home. There are parts of us we don't like to acknowledge. There are parts of us we don't like to see, like the prodigal son who had to face the reality that he did not have the popularity, the possessions, or the performance to which the world would clap and say, you're such a success. He had to face that, and he hated that. And then he had to let go of the shame of the way he felt about himself to accept that in his father's house, he belonged and he was still a son. And so allow yourself to be who you truly are because God can't love a false version of who you're trying to be. And the second lesson we can learn from the story Jesus told was that you belonged to Jesus before you required a fit in. So maybe the starting point for you is not striving to fit in, but surrendering. To your acceptance in the sight of God as the starting point. Where are you making your home?